Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wyoli, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where we make the world a sexier, more loving place by hearing from sexperts around the globe so that we may learn about ourselves and each other and increase pleasure everywhere. And our guest today is a 43-year-old single pansexual woman. She is a sex and pleasure educator who does online classes as well as workshops, one-on-one, and couples coaching. So anyone looking to learn about kink, toys, threesomes, consent, communication, and so much more, go check out her website. Creator of Peg the Patriarchy, she is into kissing, face-sitting, and butt stuff with maybe the best name ever. Welcome, Luna Matatas! (laughs) Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm so excited to ask you. Start out by please telling us if you had to rate yourself on a sexual shameometer with 10 being so full of shame and one being like, I'm not shamey at all. Where do you fall today right now? And when, if, does it ever, has it ever fluctuated? I would say I'm around a three and it definitely has fluctuated up around seven, eight, nine, ten. I mean, I grew up Catholic, so I knew a lot of the, the shamey kind of stuff that we're taught around masturbation and sex with partners and desire. And then I also maintain the three of shame because <laughs> I definitely have fantasies that I feel ashamed about, but I don't want to bring them into reality, but they're so hot. So, so I hold on to them and <laughs> totally feel that i feel like i talk about my fantasies all the time and then like i'm with a partner or like suddenly and i'm like no never mind i don't know nothing abort mission Um, can you tell us what is sexy to luna Ooh, okay so there's i'm gonna give you a boring answer and a hot answer (laughs) sexy for me is definitely communicative if someone is communicative either verbally or non-verbally so i know what the signs of pleasure or displeasure are then i feel more confident i'm getting enough information to kind of push the right buttons and then another sexy thing that that's more more hot i really think spanking is is just (gasps) so sexy like giving and receiving there's just so much naughtiness and then there's this pushing the boundary between pain and pleasure and it's a great activity for people who are like i don't know how to get into kink what's kink what's that it's so simple you got your tools right on your body with your hands (laughs) yeah i love Love do you like spanking are you a Um, spanking fan i was gonna ask if it's too much information if i reveal to you that i have a very (laughs) bruised sore ass right now (laughs) i'm in a spanking summer this has been a summer the most spanks ever and i've gotten the most bruises and i have a partner that has really nice hands and is really good at it so like and I got spanked in the car for the first time which I don't know if I should even talk about but it was like a roadhead spanking situation in a big truck with a big center console and apparently those are perfect spanking benches we were very safe Oh my goodness. Oh, that's a, <laughs> you're having like a hot butt spanking summer. This I really is like am. Amazing. I really am. So I love that you said spanking. That's so hot. Have you taught a lot of people to spank? Yeah, that's actually one of my more popular classes because it is something that we kind of see. It's a little bit more of a normalized kink, yes. right? Like it's yes. more accessible for people. And so I think people are always curious about, okay, can I feel naughty and still feel sexy? Even yeah. though in our brains, yes. But then when it comes to bending over someone's knee or, you know, having someone on the bed and you're spanking their butt, like, does it feel weird? Does it feel awkward? So I give people the kind of the hard skills, but also the psychological skills. Like, how do we tune into how do we feel in our spanking? Oh, I love that so much. Can I ask you a practical detail? Because I just went to a spanking workshop and like the presenter was a big group. So I didn't get to like ask all my detailed questions. But the presenter was talking about like imagining a heart shape on the ass. And I didn't know if it was an upright heart or an upside down heart for in terms of like an aiming target for you to imagine your head. What do you think about that? 
I think that's actually a great way to think about it. And the, I don't, I don't know, actually, if it would be upside down or I guess maybe in the position, I don't know. But I think okay. the, the chunky parts of the heart, the rounded parts yeah, will probably yeah. land in the same butt cheek kind of area. We're just avoiding like lower back, genitals, and like any of the, the area where we might have more impact on like internal organs or potential right. injury. We want to hurt people. We don't want to injure them. Yeah. <laughs> I have to ask extra if I want pussy slapped. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so tell us now, what do you think in your mind, in your vocabulary, in your personal dictionary, what counts as sex? I love that question because I think when I was growing up, sex was a penis and vagina. And so if that didn't happen, then sex didn't happen. So I didn't count a lot of my early sexual experiences with kissing or even fingering or oral as sexual experiences. And I think that actually sex is however you define it. So if that's about swapping fluids, if that's about penetration, if that's about kissing, if that's about you know oral, whatever it is that makes you feel like you have engaged your sexual and erotic self, because for a lot of people just getting spanked. That's sex for them. We've got eroticism and sex. And I think that a lot of times we focus on sort of a, a reproductive, really heteronormative idea about what sex is. And even heterosexual people find that limiting, you know, penis oh, and vagina yeah. is so limiting to consider as sex. So I think wherever you're getting pleasure out of your erotic side, that's sex. Oh, I love that definition. Thank you for that. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Tell us now what sort of sex talk sex ed lesson or consent education did you get in your Catholic upbringing? None. <laughs> I got, well, I got, I got how to make babies. Like I remember this pamphlet showing like a full grown baby with like a face in a drawing or something, you know, right? <laughs> like at like three months or something. And so I didn't really learn anything about pleasure. I didn't learn about desire. I didn't learn about queer sex. I didn't learn about anything other than reproductive parts and what they do when put together. And so the consent part didn't actually matter. It was sort of fed to me as, well, this is what you do when you are married. And it's sort of a condition of marriage. And this is how you participate. So it was only actually until I started volunteering with the gay men's sexual health network. And at the time that I was in high school, it was all gay men talking about HIV. There were really not a lot of other populations that were focused on. And I was like, wait, what? People have sex for reasons other than babies? <laughs> so I credit gay men with me learning about like <laughs> consent and pleasure. I was like, what? <laughs> That's awesome. I would love to hear your professional origin story and mix in any personal details that feel relevant and comfy for you. Ooh, yeah, absolutely. So I actually studied approaches to sexual health that were focusing on HIV in school. And so my target region was Eastern and Southern Africa. So after I graduated, I went to Eastern and Southern Africa for two years. And I was doing HIV kind of frontline education, working with organizations around gender. No matter where I was, if people were still like, I could talk to, I was blue in the face about condoms and people would come up to me afterwards and say, yeah, but my husband doesn't get me wet first. Or how do I get her to go down on me? Or how they were concerned about pleasure, like how to do the sex. Yeah. And so that was such a big missing piece in public health, for sure. Mm. We talk about fear. We talk about avoidance. We talk about, you know, all these kinds of things that are just not sexy, but we need to talk about. So when I came back home in Toronto, I was doing frontline work with marginalized groups. So LGBT youth, um, seniors, racialized people. And eventually I, I thought, you know what? The same conversations are happening here. People really want to know about how to connect, how to have relationships. And so I kept working my day job 
job. <laughs> and then I started launching my classes on the side. And the first class that I taught was at a feminist sex shop and it was called How to Have a Threesome. Yes. This class still People sells out. It yep. sells out. I agree. I agree. Amazing. And I had had so many terrible threesomes and I thought there must be a way to do this better. And so I used my own crappy experiences and thought about, you know, how can we navigate these really real things that come up? Things like self-judgment, things like jealousy, things like rejection, which are all things that if you're dating or having sex with people or in relationships, they're going to come up even in friendships. You know, yeah. you want to do something that your friend doesn't want to do. And so there might feel have some feels of rejection. Then eventually I launched my own biz. I took the leap, which was amazing. It was such a great community to leap into. There's just so much, so much fun, so much connection. I met so many really cool people. And I also learned about censorship. We live in a really censored world and it's really hard for me compared to other small businesses to just yes. be a business. So there's, there's been challenges for sure. I literally feel that my Stripe account just got taken down and I don't even, because no. I put like podcast payments through it and like I maybe will change the name of this podcast to Secret Stories. I don't know. I don't know what to do, but yeah. I feel you on that. It's wild. So give us just an overview of like your day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month. Like what is your work like right now? And do you identify as a sex worker? What do you, how do you understand that definition? Let's start there. So I think I'm sex work adjacent. I think that the world like Stripe and you know, all these payment processors really just lump everybody together yeah. and there's no discernment. And so we all face the same censorship. So we definitely have some of the same kinds of challenges. But I think in terms of our work, it's a little bit different. I don't do any hands-on work with clients. And I've worked with so many different sex workers in partnership. And so it really brings like two different worlds together that have such an obvious overlap. And so sex worker rights are super important in my business. They're super important in a lot of sex education spaces. And then my day to day, I have a mix of like doing really fun things like I'm doing with you where I get to talk to new audiences, I get to meet new people. So a lot of information and education kind of of jazz. And then I work one on one with clients. So today I have a full day of clients, which is awesome. People come to me to talk about shame or fulfilling a fantasy. A lot of my clients come to me purely for confidence. Like, how do I feel more confident in this situation I want to get into? And uh, luckily, I'm a night bird. So I usually work during the day and then take a break. And then I'm probably teaching at night as well. The teaching is my favorite part of everything. I hate doing admin. I hate hate doing social media. But I love love just teaching. I want to just create education. I want to talk to people like you. I want to be on podcasts. And so that's actually my joy time. That's when I'm like in my, my element. That's so cool. Okay, what are some of the reactions you have received in your time doing this work when people find out what you do? Most people fall into one of two categories. So even if I'm getting my hair done or something and someone asks, like, what do you do? <laughs> you know, I kind of gauge, is this person going to you know, be okay with this? Yeah. So most people are immediately uncomfortable and then don't ask any more questions. <laughs> <laughs> and do you, are you like, I'm a sex and pleasure educator or do you start out softly with pleasure? Like, what do you, what do you do? You know, I gauge, like if I'm okay. taking an Uber and if it's a dude, I'm not telling him what I do. I'm, okay. I'm usually saying I do things I've just had too many bad experiences. So I just, I teach uh, workshops for wellness and confidence approach. So I might kind of like soften it. But for the folks who are uncomfortable, I just kind of say, I'm a sex educator. And they picture children, they picture youth, like kind of in school sex education. The best group are the people that are like, 
oh my God, I've always wanted to be a swinger or how do you do a standing on your head blow job? And they're just like right into it, which is great when I'm in the mood for it. And then sometimes it's also my job. So I don't want to talk about sex all the time, (laughs) but I love the, the curiosity. I love the enthusiasm. So many people are starving for spaces in their friendships and their relationships to have frank and honest conversations about sex. So I end up as someone who feels safe. And so I get the kind of verbal diarying of like, oh my God, I want to do all these things. You know, totally get that. (laughs) That is why this podcast exists. I was like, oh, my friends are married. They don't want to talk the details. Okay. (laughs) Oh, no way. Is that how it it came to be? Yeah. And because of of my my personal history with rejection and trying to figure it out Mm. and my own struggles with communication and my, and I have not yet hit my saturation point when it comes to talking about sex. Like it's my favorite topic. It's my fixation with a tow truck driver the other day. I was like, podcast. He was like, about what? I was like, adult adults talking about sex and then you know and turned into a whole like tow truck flirty romance which I initiated you know so I'm like ah I need to calm down but I know what you mean Um, okay so you said you love teaching the most right now I would love to hear details like and maybe you just like all of it but like in the workshops is it primarily in person it sounds like you do a mixture like tell us the juiciest bits of teaching for you and have you always been a teacher Ooh, you know I think I think I've been a teacher ever since I wanted to like line up my stuffed puppies and, you know, teach them when I was like 11 and be like, okay, we're going to do this. I wasn't teaching them sex, but I was like, okay. So I think there, there is a natural communicator educator in me that likes sex education as like a vehicle for connecting with people, but also disseminating knowledge in a way that's accessible, that it's not just you know, kind of either too vague or too specific. So I think I'm very much a teacher that is a facilitator. And so having to take in from the audience at the same time as giving to the audience. So I actually love that multitasking. I love being so present where I know what I want to say, but I have to tune in to what the audience wants to say. Mm -hmm. And that's so much easier in person because I can see people, I can read them. So pre-pandemic, I was definitely teaching way more in person. And I teach mostly online now, which I also really like because lots of people don't have a feminist sex shop wherever they live in the world. They can't go in person to something. And so for me, it's better reach. And it's also more accessible. People can watch the class whenever they want. They don't have to feel they're going to be exposed to their community. My classes are fuller when they're mm-hmm. they're online. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I love that that dynamism of I'm creating this space and they're actually helping to shape it even though they're also passively learning, but because I'm tuning into whatever they need, they get to feel like okay, I got what I wanted even though the whole thing wasn't just about me. Yeah, yeah. That's a really amazing and incredible unique skill set. I have such a hard time like facilitating online things. It's like a lot for my brain, so I think that's Awesome. But you do work with people in person sometimes? I do. Yes. I'm in Toronto, but I'm all over the place. So now I'm running more intensives in person versus kind of like big group workshops. So I'll be in Portland in October. I'll be in Atlanta in September and a couple other places in Canada, Halifax and Victoria in November. So it's great to be able to kind of pop into places and do work with people. And then they still have access to me online. Yeah, that's awesome. Can you share a story that you've encountered because of your work, like a sexy, I don't know, something you learned, something you encountered that you like never would have stumbled across otherwise? I had this rule about very early on in my kind of entering this like pleasure teaching space. I was like, I'm not having sex with any of my workshop participants. I'm like, this is a hard rule. I want to maintain this thing. So then I broke the rule. And I was uh, say, that's <laughs> so hard. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank you for empathizing. It was really hard. <laughs> but I, I kind of set up the rule because I thought, you know, people see me in this like confident education giving kind of role. And that's not how I am completely sexually. I also have shame. I also have body issues. I also have performance anxiety. And so I didn't want to be held on a pedestal if I was having sex with people. Feel you. And I didn't want to be a teacher. I didn't want to be like, oh, I got to come in here and coach because you're not, you can't get an erection. You can't do like, I don't want to, I just wanted like an equal partner. But there was this couple that they were so hot and they came to my threesome workshop and then they went home with the threesome teacher. (laughs) (laughs) And it was still one of my best threesomes, I think, to date. So I I don't regret it. But what I learned was, I think a lot of times we have these expectations around performance. And so even though I just taught the class and we talked about connection, we talked about all these things, I could tell because we were the first time together and we didn't take a ton of time to, we didn't go out to dinner, like we just had drinks at their place. So there wasn't a lot of social lube kind of time. And I think that's so important. Like sometimes we have this fantasy and when we take it into reality, we forget to lube that fantasy into reality, right? We forget to massage it. it. Yeah. We just kind of plunk it. And so I found that I was really like, performance and but because they were really cool I eventually got comfortable but I wasted an hour sort of being like okay I'm gonna take charge I know what to do instead of just like receiving so I think that really helped me see how my own performance shows up and what to look for thank you for sharing that and Mm. I am just so appreciative because it's also a lot of what I'm sort of like working through right now too where I'm like ah, I'm a person can you tell us what are would you say the sexiest and least sexy parts of your work? Ooh, okay. I'm going to start with least sexy. I think the least sexiest part is the harassment. I continuously get harassed by, I'm pretty sure it's like 99% cishet men. So men who think that because I'm a sex educator, that they can send me all kinds of disgusting photos or messages or be super inappropriate. And so I get emails all the time that are just disgusting. And through my business email, I'm like, do you email your dentist like doing this? Like maybe they do. I don't know. But it's so objectifying. And it happens to me in person as well, even though I've stood and talked for two hours as an educator, as a leader, as a teacher, I'll have someone come up to me and ask me about my tits or something. And it's so hard to switch from being an educator to then being like, oh my God, it just got objectified, just like patriarchy does like in the real world everywhere, you know, coming from a place of power and then getting disempowered. So I think it's really unfortunate. I think cishet men need way more education and openness to education and challenging all these kinds of things, but definitely they're the worst part. My favorite part is when people send me testimonials or DMs. Yeah, I cry every time. Like I'm so touched and humbled that A, someone took the time to like reach out to me and B, that we had this connection that I didn't really know about, that that there was something happening for them that I was giving. And I always feel really in flow, really aligned when I'm teaching and hoping they're getting what they need. But to have someone also be receptive is super important, right? Like I can't do the reception work for people. Yeah. But what about your own reception work? Is that part of your professional and personal? This is an off-the-cuff brand new question. No, I like it. I like it. Yeah, definitely. I have a really hard time receiving. I definitely get stuck in like giver mode. So I have to be conscious of, oh, am I thinking that they were down there too long and now I need to like, you know, do this. And it's been good to see other people 
kind of struggle with issues that I knew were in me, but I didn't know how to actually articulate about them or how to observe them. So there's this beautiful community of we're all dealing with the same stuff. We've all learned how to be shameful in sex, pretty much in the same ways. And it manifests differently from body to body and person to person, but we've all learned that, you know, sex positivity or embracing our erotic side is not something that's celebrated by the larger world. There's like people like you and me that are doing this work, but I think that's like a really big challenge that keeps coming up for me around receiving, even from a business sense of being able to see my worth, able to see my value. You know, sex education isn't a defined field for a lot of us entrepreneurs in it. And so having to navigate that people want this education, but it's blocked everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, like, like it's really, it's really challenging. So even receiving in that way, receiving success, receiving partnership, receiving support, that that's all new because we've yeah. all had to be really protective. Oh man, I feel that. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I bet. Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. If you are listening to this, you are probably like me and you love sex. And you also know that fantastic sex takes more than just a boner. But if that's all that's missing in your connection with your partner, check out BlueChew.com. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. You know, that's my favorite. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no dealing with the awkwardness that exists because physicians are not often given great guidance about how to talk about sensitive personal things like bone or softness, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. With Blue Chew, penis owners everywhere are excited to see the postman because when your package has arrived, your package has arrived. And you know I love a good package. And I have to say, am I allowed to say this? It was very hot when I had a partner who I already had a good, trusting, open relationship. He'd been working on his anxiety, cutting down on screens, meditating, he quit smoking, he started exercising regular, cutting out processed foods, all of that stuff. He was just of a certain age, and I'll just say, the night that he told me he was making his package arrive, it was a very super hot extra layer of turn-on for me personally. So if it's for you, this is a super convenient resource. Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com, chew it, and do it, and we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER at checkout. You just pay $5 for shipping. That's bluechew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. On the note of shame, what have you learned about sex-related shame through your work that you have insights on for us? So a lot of people struggle with body shame. And we think that bodies that look more conventionally attractive, that have six packs or are 22 years old or whatever, we think somehow that that equals more pleasure. And your body is, is a vessel for your eroticism. And you're going to have to come into relationship with it over and over and over again. Mm. We're all aging so mm-hmm. every day, you're gonna every, have to every day, every day, <laughs> only JLo is not aging, but like the rest of us mere mortals are aging, <laughs> and, you know, postpartum, new medications, menopause, perimenopause, um, all kinds of things are going to change the way we relate to our pleasure. And I think that that shame piece in thinking that 
we're going to somehow eradicate it, that it's never going to be there. It's more about how can we show compassion to that side of us that is carrying a narrative that we are not enough. And what does that part need to hear from us? What does that part need to do for us? And a lot of times that's around boundaries. That's around raising the bar for our relationships and partners. I think that's a huge part of shame. And um, I think that I often think, you know, I'm the oldest I've ever been. I'm the fattest I've ever been. I'm the most scarred. You know, these are just life. Like you, your your body changes and yet I'm having the most pleasure ever. And so I wish I could go back and tell like 24 year old me me who was worried about her tummy or worried about body hair or worried about whatever, that it actually doesn't matter. Like develop that erotic relationship to yourself. Mm. That is a fucking hot answer. Thank you for that. What a hot answer when it comes to shame. So do you feel comfy sharing how your work in this field has influenced your own personal life? Yes. I think I always kind of felt, you know, when I went into the bedroom that I had to be liked, you know, Mm -hmm. that I had to try and like do sexual things so that the other person validated my sexiness. And my work has actually taught me, even by teaching it, you know, those who teach can't do. And so then I kind of like, it came back to me and I was like, oh, actually, no, I need to be here thinking about what's being given and received. That it isn't just about me coming in and getting sexiness and getting sexy validation by someone telling me I'm sexy. Like I have to come into my work and into my bedroom feeling like my cup is full and everybody else gets the overflow. They're not here to fill my empty cup, right? That's such a vulnerable place to put myself in, feeling like, oh, this person, whether they think I'm hot or not, is going to depend on whether I have pleasure or not. So I, I really learned to come into my sexual experiences like like a goddess. I wanted to be like, you know, like, why are you approaching a goddess without an offering? Like, what is yes. this? You don't do oral. You don't do this. Like, get out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the very <laughs> so least, have an excellent invitation for a date. Like, I, you know, I don't know if you get a lot of messages like, yes. hey, I want you. Hey. And I'm like, Ugh. I'm like, well, who are you? What do you look like? Where are you? Are you going to invite me to something nice? Like, are you, are you tra- what do you want? <laughs> uh, I just got back on dating apps and all of those messages make me mm. want to just like off myself. I'm yeah. like, what? what is wrong? Like, who is going out with these people? So (laughs) I'm like, where is this working? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, maybe it goes back to what you said about raising the bar with partnership too. It's like, yes, it's like, it needs to happen on all sides. How, I mean, do you feel comfortable sharing how that dating process is going? Because I just stumbled into people in real life recently. And the last two years before that, I was like, oh no. Yeah, I'll happily share. So I'm double banned from Tinder. I'm <laughs> I'm banned from Great. OkCupid. And now I'm on Bumble. So, okay. okay. <laughs> and I think I date people of, of all genders. And uh-huh. my experiences with threats, with, you know, this like really low effort and then entitled when I don't want it. It's again, definitely around, I think how men are socialized around sexuality and entitlement. So mm-hmm. I get there's like, set that's lacking there, but it's so common and so overwhelming that it's just really disappointing. I think there's so many missed opportunities for connection within themselves and for connection with other people. And they're like, well, why isn't this working? All women are jerks. No, it's, (laughs) I don't want to come to your house, Mike, tonight. Like, you know, your self-love seems low, so I'm not available to you. Go work on yourself and then give me a better invitation. We'll talk. 
I'm going to copy and paste that and yeah. put it in like, <laughs> to every hey answer that you get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I think it's also good for my, my practice around boundaries. So I always tell clients, you know, if you want to start practicing your no, mm. use dating apps. Because when someone says, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I don't want to go for a coffee. Can you just come over? Say no and see how they react. Yeah. Because if they're going to react badly to a preference before you've even met, what's yeah. it going to be like trying to assert your boundaries in the bedroom? And I think it's so important. Every time I've done that, I think it really weeds out people who are caring about my pleasure and my comfort and people who really just want somebody to masturbate inside of, you know? Like, yeah. Like, like, oh. like an object. Yeah. So true. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is such a good point too. You know, and you want to weed them out right away because the last thing yes. you want to do is what I've done in the past is get attached to those people. And then it's even harder when the boundary transgressions get bigger. And then it's like a whole fuck situation. So you just said a whole mouthful there. I have I definitely mean, been there too. You're so yeah. tangled at that yeah. point. It gets real tangly. What uh, do you feel comfy stepping into the fantasy realm? Like what would ideal partnerships look like for you? Like to, how would it feel to be supported and pleasured by someone who's like, you know, Luna appropriate? Yes. Yes. I am a big touch slut. I eat so much. Are you? Yeah. I've never been touched enough. Same. I won't tap out of touch. I'll be sweaty. I don't care. (laughs) Do you have like hot spots that are are your touch spots? Most of me is hot spot. Like my clit is too sensitive. So if anyone is like, boom, I'm like, stop it. But, um, you know, but, but like all of me likes touches, you know, and and I have to know someone a certain amount and have to be attracted to them a certain amount for their tongue to go in my ear. Like that's kind of one of my boundaries. I'm sensitive about my belly button, but everything else I'm like, touch me. All the sensations. Oh, I love that. Oh, we're yeah. so the same. Yeah. I feel like my back is like a second clit. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> I'm like, just kiss my black. You don't even need to go down on me. Like, <laughs> Amazing. So I need folks that are sensual. And I think a lot of times people think sensuality is about softness or romance. And it can be. Yeah. But I think sensuality is on a spectrum of like softer sensations and deeper, more intense sensations. But they all are about our senses. So someone who's kind of just looking to smash bodies together, I'd rather stay home and masturbate. But someone who's looking for like eye contact and like that touch and like kissing is like 90% of sex for me. I Mm. love kissing. Even though I love kinky shit, I love kissing. So that's like big for me too. And I also think the folks that are not rushing towards orgasm. So, you know, that's so annoying. I can't feel in the moment if someone's trying to just get to the end, you know? Yeah. Really relate to that. Beautiful. How do you navigate boundaries between like yourself and other professionals? Does it come up at all? You said you work with sex workers. Like what are those conversations like? What are those collaborations like? I generally don't like to play with other sex professionals. I think it does feel like a a professional boundary for me. Um, Other people feel very different. And I I think that's cool. But I also still feel I'm on when I'm a sex educator. So I would be open to dating and getting to know each other, but sort of pick up play. I don't really like to do that with other educators. I feel there's amazing hotness amongst all the the, the educators, but it feels like I'm crossing a little bit of a boundary and I worry about how it changes our professional relationship. That may change in the future, maybe as I get better skills, but that's where it's at right now. And I did a, a fantastic collaboration with a professional dominatrix and she owned her own dungeon and we wanted to do a femdom intensive. Yeah. And it was so great because her expertise around 
actually dealing with clients and having to unpack fantasies in an hour and, you know, step into a role all within a really short period of time, maybe not knowing somebody so well, those were amazing skills that I didn't have. I have all these long conversations. I'm texting, yeah, I'm yeah. writing erotica together, you know, we're like, like really totally. deep in the fantasy. So it gave me this improv set of skills. And I think that was so useful for our group. We had a sold out intensive and it was all people looking to feel more confident in skill and not just learn the technical skill, like not just learn how to swing a flogger, but yeah. how do I get into someone's filthy little fantasy and tease out the parts that we can co-create together? Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Especially since I feel like the prodoms I've spoken with have such a clear frame around boundaries because a lot of the professional tricks who are on the submissive side are the biggest boundary pushers out there from what I've heard. Yes. So that's really cool. Lovers, we are going to take a quick pause for a word from our sponsor and they have given me notes to do a sultry female voice. So I'm very excited and I'm going to do my best. Did you know the Flora app is a safe place to open up? Embrace your desires and find like-minded people. This is the story of one couple who found the threesome of their dreams, discovered a new level of shared passion, and stepped into a whole other realm of possibilities, all thanks to Fleur. As life's routines settled in, Robert and Lucy found themselves yearning to explore uncharted territories, so they downloaded Fleur and embarked upon a thrilling journey of sensual experimentation, learning more about each other's desires in the process. Open-minded and adventurous, Robert and Lucy dreamt of adding a new dimension to their intimacy, sharing the touch of another woman, being witnessed and connecting in a way that transcends the ordinary. In Fleur's diverse and accepting community, Lucy connected with Emily, a babe craving the same experiences. So they invited Robert to the conversation. The chemistry built and anticipation heightened as they exchanged messages until finally their agreed-upon date night arrived. A gorgeous hotel was the setting for their evening of pleasure, passion, and connection. A shared exploration that fulfilled each party's desires. Floor App celebrates the beauty of open-minded connections. It's a platform where fantasies come to life and desires are embraced without judgment. For couples seeking adventure with others or individuals keen on exploring, Floor invites us all to a world where every desire is a possibility waiting to unfold. Download Floor now, express your desires freely, and find like-minded people today. Do you have any other dream collaborations with sex workers or other types of people? Like, what other kinds of workshops are in your future? Yes, I want to do more retreats. I'd love mm. to spend an extended amount of time with people. Yeah. A Luna really after want- my own heart. I'm working on this. Okay, great. <laughs> are you? Okay, <laughs> yeah. amazing. Yeah, I want to have a space where people can actually sink in to feeling like they have community. You know, we go to these one day things or they spend two hours with me and they're all pumped. And then they go back to, you know, patriarchal, misogynist, like sex negative world. I want to help them broaden their world so they can feel that they can sink into it more. They can take up more space in it. They can feel like they belong. And yeah, that'd be amazing to do on a beach. It would Mm. also be amazing Mm -hmm. to do just even sharing space together. So I'd love to do more overnights. I'd love to bring more couples together. I often get one partner working with me and then they bring the second partner in. But I think a space that's invitational to that might actually attract the people that want to learn in that environment. Yes, essential. That's my wish list. Oh, I love that. I fucking love it. My personal fantasy around it is like, So I do a lot of like artistic creativity, like let's unlock your creative self. Sex is just your original creativity, not just, but like it's the seed, Mm. you know, for, for in my own experience, that's kind of been what I've been noticing. And so I'm like, all right, days one, two, three, 
we're learning, edging, and getting to know each other. Nobody touches themselves. Day four, Ooh. anyone who wants to stay, that's a play day. You know, and everything is negotiated throughout the, the time. And, you know, so then it's all communicated. And then we're all just like, but I'm like, how the fuck do I advertise that in this day and age? Especially when they already think that I'm, you know, I, I go collect sex stories in the park with my little microphone. And it was inviting people to do that that got flagged, I think, as solicitation on Instagram because I had a sex-related account inviting people to meet me in person. So the sex stories account went down. So I'm like, maybe I should just call it secret stories. I don't know. That's so frustrating. But here's the thing. Once we have our retreats going, then it won't matter and people can just know where to find us. Okay. So yes, that's what I think. <laughs> we just got to keep like hammering away at it. Yeah. <laughs> what, what else have you learned about social and cultural norms through your work that you have either found like surprising, either in a good way or a fuck sort of way? I think there's one that comes up a lot around sort of our, our social media language, around identity and things that we think are barriers or that they're challenges for us. And so, for example, people will come into my classes and they'll say, you know, oh, my partner's neurodivergent. You know, how do I how do I respond to their request for strap on play? And I think like it's been amazing to be educated in this space at this time where we're breaking the gender binary. We're like becoming more accessible for disability. We're like, you know, working on anti-racism. We're doing all kinds of things that are massaging a more friendly, open and inclusive society. And I think what's challenging is that neurodivergent people or trans people or queer people or racialized people or fat people, we're not a homogenous group. And so sometimes we're leading with identity, whereas I need to hear about your feelings. Like for me, Mm -hmm. sex and you know, is all about feelings. How do you feel? And so if your partner has a particular challenge in this case, the example is neurodivergency, I would ask like, oh, like, how does that show up? You know, what what does that look like? Maybe it's about communication. Maybe it's about wanting less touch or more touch or sensory kind of, I don't know. So yeah, we, yeah. I think it's encouraged me to ask really specific questions and it encourages people to think a bit more about the experience and that we can't prepare for every single scenario and every single person, but we can change our sex so that we're approaching it with more curiosity. And it's more Mm. about like, oh, like, what are you feeling today? You know, Tuesday, you're into this. What's your body like on Friday? I love that you said that because the other reason, you know, my whole, I am neurodivergent and people often assume I'm ADHD, (laughs) but I'm not. I'm autistic. I talk in paragraphs. I know exactly where I am. I'm not distracted. I'm right here. I know I, I just have four more points to make and I'm sorry I'm overwhelming you with words. You know, and so I think that is so good and interesting because through this podcast, I've learned to ask all sorts of curious questions and I have that sort of frame but what I've noticed through talking to people is is really this universal desire to control everything so we don't get hurt. Whereas it sounds like maybe we're sort of in the realm of like, let's do our best to make sure we're on the same page and then trust that we are resilient and that we're choosing partners that when shit gets inevitably bumpy because we're here to grow together, we can handle it and then like find the pleasure through that pain because that's 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 where it comes from. We need some contrast, you know? Ooh, I love everything that you said. I love the the idea that like life is just messy. Being human is really messy. Relationships are a constant harmony, disharmony, repair. It's like the cycle yeah. is inevitable. And so, yeah, I, I love preparing people with skills for self-compassion. So if this thing happens, how do you take care of yourself? Yeah, yeah. In the adult sex education space, does that feel accurate to like where you totally. live? Okay. Yes. 
What do you think are the largest gaps missing right now? Let's forget about censorship, forget about funding, forget about access for right now, because that's a given. But like, what do you think we need to like fill the most? I think there's lots of classes about communication. I think people need a ton more. I don't think Mm, it's like mm -hmm. the sexy topic that people, they want to go to BJ's, they want to go to eat pussy. But, you know, communication is really the skill that helps you become better at any technical skill, like any kind of sexy skill that you want. I think we're also missing information for perimenopausal and menopausal women. It's like as if they die after, you know, like 35, (laughs) you know, right? Like I'm 43. And so I think I'm 34. I'm about to die. (laughs) You're about to die. See you on the ghost. I'm a ghost right now. (laughs) But yeah, I get more clients actually who are in there. I have a client who's in her 60s she calls it her 60s and and i love it i'm like a lot of people are divorced at that point or they're just like reimagining what their relationship looks like like to themselves now that they're retired or their kids are out of the home so i think there's a huge gap there especially because there's so many body changes happening and so how do we relate to that what kinds of lubes do we need that are different what kinds of vibrators work better i don't do a ton of work with youth i work with youth who are entering university kind of college level age i think we need way more work there that is less about cover your ass consent like no means no consent they want kink education they're like choke me daddy all over tiktok like why are we not talking with them about like real stuff and i've had some cool opportunities with like columbia university and folks that have large audiences to be able to actually speak in like relevant language and it's amazing because then they actually start to take it out of you know, here's a 30 second TikTok of somebody slamming their girlfriend against the wall and calling it kink, you know, and they get some actual skills. They're not just learning from porn. Right, right, right. What other trends have you noticed in the sex ed space that feel relevant or important to speak about? I was hosting an anal sex podcast for about two years. And um, I thought that was was such a great trend because we started to normalize anal because we all have a butthole. We're all a little butt slut. Right? (laughs) If you've got an interest in that or a curiosity or your partner does, there is really not a lot of quality information about it. And I think that trend is beautiful, that we're seeing much more beyond gay men, Mm because not all gay men have anal sex either. So we're seeing things related to different bodies. I think the other beautiful thing is that we're seeing way more trans sex educators. We're seeing this quality information that's relevant to everybody, whether you're trans or not. And and I think that's great. I think that the future of sex education is non-binary. And so we should be moving towards breaking all of these made up rules that actually don't support our pleasure. And trans educators are doing so much of that work. That's amazing. What are you personally the most excited to explore besides retreats going forward? Yeah. So I just launched my own pegging dildo two weeks ago. And <laughs> let me tell you. Amazing. What? I know. It was so fun. Like I I just was like, what is my life? I'm designing a dildo. And so I want to do more things that are kind of filling a niche. Like all dildos can be pegging dildos, really. But this one was, I thought about it from a place of 
look how much I know about anal sex. Like, yeah. let's design it to actually maximize the pleasure real estate of the rectum. Like, why wouldn't we stimulate it instead of as a tube, but as a, a collection of nerve endings and muscles? And so I'd love to, to work on creating more toys like that, like more things, you know, longer handles or different kinds of sensations. There's so much stuff out there on the market already, but I think having a a sex educator do some of this stuff actually makes sense in just making it more specific to actual human bodies and not trying to please everybody. That's so cool. Where do people find your pegging dildo? And also what sort of straps do you use with it? Like I have so many questions. Oh, yes, yes, yes. They can find it at freelytoys.com or on my website at lunamatados.com. And the straps that, so it's harness compatible. You can use it with like any strap on. My favorite strap on is a thigh harness. I love strapping it on my thigh because using your lower back in like a thrusting kind of motion when you don't normally do that, it's just hard. I'm lazy. It's a lot of stamina, you know, but a thigh, you've got more power in your thigh. It just looks hot, right? Like, like, (laughs) you know, it's so good. And I think even in terms of accessibility, if you've got bad knees or bad back or something, a thigh, someone could sit on it and then you get all of this like close sex contact, skin contact kind of Mm. stuff. Yeah. So lots of harness options other than pelvic harnesses. Oh, that's great. Also, because I went to like try on a pelvic harness for the first time and I was like, this doesn't fit me. And I have like a body that like was created for fit models. Like everything off the rack fits me, you know, like, and so I'm like, what the fuck is happening here? Like, where is this supposed what to hit you? Know? It? Well, it just squeezed me. Maybe I'm just too sensorially like, st- but I felt like it was like too high and too low and maybe about to fall off at the same time. And I was like talking to the person. I think the person helping me wasn't that educated and or also was just like trying to sell me into a custom made something something. But I had, you know, it was like, I don't have a lot of experience wearing strap-ons other than like, you know, shorts harness. So. Okay. Thigh strap, I think, is in my future. (laughs) I know. I'm going to send you my blog article all about harnesses. Then you can find the perfect one for you. Perfect. I believe in this for you. (laughs) I love that. I fucking love that. What's up? Is there anything else you're super excited to explore in your work? Like, that's pretty fucking good. But anything else you want to say? Yeah. So this one I feel so shy about because I've been like cooking it for two years and I really want to put it out there. So in addition to kind of doing the the in-person intensives, I would love to have a community of people that we just have our own space. And so it's not censored. It's online. You can pop in whenever you want. But our commitment is to working on our erotic liberation to ourselves and body freedom. So breaking all the body bullshit and actually just feeling like, okay, so somebody called you ugly or or you don't feel beautiful or whatever. Come to the community. We're going to love you up. And then you get to go back out into the world. So I really want to create this ongoing community. It just requires a lot of resources. So I'm trying to clear my plate so that I can launch it and try it and just invite a space where you know, we're not going to get censored by Facebook. We're not going to have to feel that there's a giant commitment of learning, that we're doing learning together. I'm learning as they're learning and I get to lead as they're learning. Oh, that is beautiful. I know. It's like so a, oh my God. Talking about it makes me like like sparkly no, inside. This is how we bring it into existence. <laughs> I'm so excited. I can't wait to – I mean, like, I love Incubator. Like, yeah, fuck yeah. We need oh, those. I mean, if, yeah. if we can have that, like, in every major city – I mean, that's the type of stuff where I'm like – and then if there could be a, like, sex museum up above or down below, maybe that's in the dungeon. <gasps> that's the type of stuff that I'm always thinking about. I'm like, Ooh, I, I need love. a creative space mixed with a sex museum, and then the play space is upstairs. Okay. I hope you just manifested that because that sounds amazing. I am working on it. I am working on it. That's my big dream. 
<laughs> okay, so if you could wave a magic wand and teach everyone in the whole wide world something about sex or pleasure or whatever you wish, what would it be? It doesn't have to be one thing. Like, what would you stick straight into our brains, hearts? I would say that orgasm doesn't have to be the goal of mm. sex. And so orgasms happen. Sometimes they happen. Sometimes they don't happen. Great. Sometimes you want one to happen. Like when I'm going to sleep, buzzing one out, I want the orgasm to happen. <laughs> you know? yeah. But I think like, sure. exploring our bodies in solo pleasure or partner pleasure, if we let go of the goal of orgasm, it lets go of a lot of performance pressure to get anywhere. And I think it opens up more opportunities to discover things like oh, this level of pleasure, actually, I want to hover here. And so doing mm. things like edging, doing things like maybe coming down, touching maybe everywhere except your hot spots and yeah. seeing what that feels like with your partner. Bringing back, making out, you know, like making out like half clothed. I think even for men and people with penises, the fact that sex ends after the penis ends is is silly. It doesn't have yeah. to. My partners that I play with, it does not happen like that, that we can keep going because orgasm is not the final thing. Yeah, yeah. It's not the finale. The curtain doesn't close. We can keep playing on stage. <laughs> <Right? laughs> <Like, laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that too. You know, I had a partner that like I met through work stuff. So we're in these like work settings together being very appropriate in certain situations where I'm like pretending to, I mean, no, I'm really being a photographer, but like, you know, not letting anyone know. <laughs> I really am. But, um, you know, standing next to them, I realized that I was having all these fantasies about like licking all over their body and touch, you know, all of these things. And then when I'm with them in person, I'm like a magnet to the genitals and the hot spots. And I was thinking, I noticed that. And I was like, and I talked about it with them. They're like, do the other thing then. And I was like, well, that means I have to be less patient or you have to tell me so I can remember, you know, and so that's just something I clocked for myself. Oh, my gosh. That's a good observation. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, a, you know, because it's all the buzz, but it's like I'm never going to actually like lick my tongue up and down every single part of their leg just because I'm like, we might not have that much time together. I have to like do right. everything, you know, so there is even I feel that pressure too, you know, yes. as much as yes. I'm like, it's not about orgasm. I'm like, but I like putting my mouth on the genitals, you know, I'm, I am going yes. there. Absolutely. And no. I work with a lot of parents and they don't have a lot of time. Yeah. They're like yeah. managing little humans. They live in a house full of people. There's like a pressure to have sex regularly. There's like, I got to do the sex. And that's just such a buzzkill for people. Yeah. And so I often recommend, you know, what if you just commit to like a three minute kiss at night? And so what? you just make out before you go to bed. And then if it leads to sex, it leads to sex. If not, you're going to go to bed feeling connected. You're going to feel soft. You're going to yeah. feel hazy. And it's great to think I can feel that non-sexual affection without it having to lead to sex, without me worrying about how long it is or if a kid's going to come in or this or that. Or mm. I think there's just so much more reward around pleasure, relaxation, intimacy, connection, You know, feeling your own body, sleeping better. Or like whatever, yeah. there's there's all these kinds of relaxation that comes to our nervous system. And for folks who have also dealt with sexual trauma, there the pressure to orgasm is is often such a buzzkill from totally. what's happening in their body. And I think a lot gets talked about for women who take longer to get aroused. And I actually think that men's bodies can have that also heightened power even in their orgasms or without yes. their orgasms if we engage more of their body. They and because we've got <laughs> this idea for men around like, right? Like we just got this idea that like the D is the only yeah. 
thing that like matters during sex. Like men have necks, they have like ears, they have all these other hot spots, nipples, you know, bums, backs, all these kinds of things that I think the way we think about male sexuality has just like thwarted, you know, thwarted all those opportunities. Totally. Yeah. The the narrative that it's like guys are easy, you know, and it's like just because you can come doesn't mean that like Give me a fucking minute and don't rush and let me play with your thigh creases and fuck with you for a while and you will get harder than you've ever gotten is the report that I've gotten from a few partners recently. You know, and it's, and right. so it's like and, and not that that's the goal. It's not about how hard are you because uh, let me tell you, I can come on a soft cock. It's really hot. And that's like my new favorite thing right. this year, too. I'm like, Ooh. yeah, you know, but I, I love what you're saying about like just really prioritizing that pleasure. And like for me, those situations you talk like that turns into like a big simmering edging that mm-hmm. Eventually, when we do get the three minutes without a kid or whatever it is, then boom, we have like a week of buildup that's so hot and it's all pleasure oriented. So I love that you're offering people that. Yes. Damn. Mm. Yes. You described it so well. Yeah. That bubbling, that rising. Yeah. Are there any other like sex related stories or observations that you have? Like, I feel like there's always wisdom and knowledge that professionals have that maybe I just don't even know the questions to ask. So like, if I should have asked you a question and didn't, like what else is in your like treasure trove of wisdom? Yeah, I think one of the biggest misconceptions that people come to my classes with is that if I just kind of like, you know, around especially around kink i think kink's one of them but but even bjs or or e-pussy like jam if i just learn the skill then i will do the thing and it will be perfect and what i like to bust for people is that awkwardness is always there <laughs> you know like it's not something that goes away it's just kind of part i actually think awkwardness is so cute because i think it's yeah. authentic i think yeah. someone's kind of in their little like something's happening for them they're not branding themselves and I think it's it's such an opportunity. And so people always want to eliminate that. They want to look like what we see on TV. And that is not hot. I mean, what we see on TV is so scripted. It's it's very it's for entertainment. And we're not those people are in their bodies. I'm in the entertainment (laughs) world. I'm trying to teach actors how to do romance scenes. I'm like, that's not what it you know, and I and I relate to that because I'm people project that onto me because also I look graceful and long. They're like, Are you a dancer? And I'm like, no, but I will trip over myself four times a day, especially if I'm turned on like in bed. I literally get tangled in my limbs. Right. You know, like your body is just what your body is. It's going to do what it's going to do. And we just want to be there to support it. So I think a lot of times people will tell me, I can't be dominant or I can't be submissive or I can't do this thing because I feel like it's going to be awkward and I don't know how to start it. And I'm like, good. Start with awkward. Like, you can't come in at a level 10. I don't even come in at a level 10. You know, you got to start somewhere around the one. And once that dopamine starts flowing, that adrenaline, it's also going to shift your mindset. And so you're not actually going to be as concerned about, like, how does this look to my partner? You're going to be zoning in on, oh, is this getting the response that we both wanted? Are they, like, sinking into their puddle? And then I can sink into my puddle, you know? So I think there's such a focus on sex being so serious. I think silly is sexy. I think Mm. playfulness is sexy. And I think playfulness is like the antithesis to performance. If you can get playful, you will forget about performing. Like, I don't care if I'm good or bad in bed. I care about having an experience that's mutually pleasurable. So I'm not here to be like, look at my deep blowjob skills. I'm like, no, like, are we going to connect? Maybe your cock's not hard today. Maybe I'm not super wet today. So we can still connect. That's fucking rad oh my god okay if you had an unlimited budget to build a sexy playroom house castle incubator uh, etc for yourself 
what would it be like? Oh my gosh, this is so, such a good question. So first I'm going to have a masturbation room. (laughs) What would it be like? So it's, the walls are going to be so practical. So I don't have to root through my freaking box of toys, you know, and I already have like, I had to build things on the wall for my butt plugs. Like I want more space to display all the beautiful toys that I have, all of like the the vulva puppets, all kinds of gorgeousness, lots of plants. It's going to be very like, you know, goddess welcoming. And then of course, next to the the masturbatorium, I would need um, some sort of like snack room, right? We're going to need some kind of like snack Oh my God, I'm so glad you said that. I'm tired of going to play parties that don't have snacks. Me too. Or they yeah. put out things like chips. I'm like, yeah. who wants to have salty sweat and jizz? Or when, only like, strawberries. I'm like, only oh. strawberries? What? I'm hungry. And a watermelon. God, yeah. Or cheese or something. Yeah, nuts. <laughs> like, but yeah, I think having a more sensual relationship to food has also changed how I feel about my body, mm-hmm. has changed letting go of what diet culture has taught me and really just sinking into like, oh, no, like, eating is a sensual experience. You can feast in a sensual way. So yeah, I want a very decadent snack room. And then a dungeon. I got to have a dungeon. Like we got to play a fully equipped dungeon. I want all the furniture. I want things that like are all accessible. I think it would be amazing to have a space where everyone can come in. Then I would love a luxury kind of like orgy room. (laughs) Yeah, there's just like beds covered with squirt blankets and like there's lube and like hot music and good light like very textured right like feeling like oof like everything i touch is sexy or sensual that is fucking beautiful lovers you can find luna on the internet at lunamatatas.com and also on twitter instagram and tiktok at lunamatatas that's l-u-n-a-m-a-t-a-t-a-s And the links are in the description below. Luna, thank you so much for being a guest on Sex Stories. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. And I can't wait to come to your sex play mansion. (laughs) Lovely humans, thank you for listening. If you appreciate the work that I put into this podcast, I would love it if you took the time to leave us five stars and a nice review wherever you get your podcast, especially Spotify, since last year's troll attack on our ratings is still affecting our ability to be found via search. (laughs) I do love getting to know you and hearing your stories and meeting you lovely humans in real life. And remember, if you want to collaborate, apply to be a guest or leave us a single story voice memo via xstoriespodcast.com or sexstoriespodcast.com. Sex stories are always going to be my favorite, but now I also have question lists for love, friendship, dating, relationships, marriage, divorce, secrets, and so much more so that we can learn about connection through each other's experiences. I fucking love getting your emails and voice memos and receiving thoughtful noodle messages. It truly is hearing from you that fuels this work for me. And if you want to go deeper with me, get to know me, and support this podcast in meaningful, concrete ways, find me on Patreon, OnlyFans, FetLife, Venmo, Cash App, and all social media platforms at Yoli, or work with me privately for photo and video shoots, relationship support, creative breakthrough sessions, and retreats. Yole.com slash links is where you can find the list of all the ways to play with me, and the link is in the description below. Thank you for joining me to spread ripples of love, to co-create a world where taking care of each other is the norm. Thank you for spoiling and inspiring me with your stories and your support. Please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and remember to share stories in the name of lovely human connection. (laughs) 